noticed by then. A commercial on the TV. The guards were pointing at it and laughing. A big basketball player was saying something. Boggs raced directly toward him, wondering, why were Scipio and his buddies doing this? Why? Just because he was white? Because he wasn't a bodybuilder? Because he hadn't picked up a whittled broomstick along with the ten other inmates and stepped up to kill Reno the snitch? Ten feet to the guard station. A hand grabbed his collar from behind. No, Randy Box cried. And he felt himself start to tumble to the concrete floor under the tackle. He saw the characters on the hospital show on TV looking gravely at a body on the operating table. He saw the gray concrete rising up to slam him in the head. He saw a sparkle of the glass in the hand of a young Latino man. A sepia whispered, do it. The young man stepped forward with the glass knife. But then Boggs saw another motion, a shadow coming out of a deeper shadow, a huge shadow. A hand reached down and gripped the wrist of the man holding the knife. Snick. The attacker screamed as his wrist turned sideways in the shadow's huge hand. The glass fell to the concrete floor and broke. Bless you, the shadow said in a slow, reverent voice. You know not what you do. Then his voice snapped. Now get the fuck out of here. Try this again and you be dead. Asipio and the third of the trio helped the wounded attacker to his feet. They hurried down the corridor. The huge shadow, whose name was Severn Washington, 15 to 25 for a murder committed before he had accepted Allah into his heart, helped Boggs to his feet. The thin man closed his eyes and breathed deeply. Then together they silently started to the library. Boggs, hands shaking desperately, glanced into the guard station, inside of which the guards nodded and smiled as the body on the operating table on the TV screen was miraculously revived, and the previews for next week's show came on. Four hours later, Randy Boggs sat on his bunk, listening to his cellmate. Wilker James, eight years for receiving, second felony offense. Here they moved on you, man, that a CPO man, he one mean fucker. What do you want to do that for? I can't figure it. Not like you have anything on him, man. Wilker James kept talking, like he always did. On and on and goddamn on. But Randy Boggs wasn't listening. He sat hunched over a People magazine on his bunk. He wasn't reading the periodical, though. He was using it as a lap desk, on top of which was a piece of cheap, wide-lined writing paper. You gotta understand me, man, Wilker James said. I'm not saying anything about the Hispanic race. I mean, you know, the problem is they just don't see things the way normal people do. I mean, like, life isn't... Boggs ignored the man's crazy rambling and finally touched pen to paper. In the upper left-hand corner of the paper, he wrote... Harrison Men's Correctional Facility. He wrote the date. Then he wrote, Dear to who it may concern, you have to help me. Please. After this careful beginning, Randy Boggs paused, thought for a long moment, and started to write once more. Chapter Two Rune watched the tape once, and then a second time, and then once more. She sat in a deserted corner of the network's newsroom, a huge open space, 20 feet high, 3,000 square feet, divided up by movable partitions, head high and covered with gray cloth. 
The on-camera sets were bright and immaculate. The rest of the walls and floors were scuffed and chipped and streaked with old dirt. To get from one side of the studio to the other, you had to dance over a million wires and around monitors and cameras and computers and desks. A huge control booth, like the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, looked out over the room. A dozen people stood in clusters around desks or monitors. Others carried sheets of paper and blue cardboard cups of coffee and video cassettes. Some sat at computers, typing or editing news stories. Everyone wore casual clothing, but no one behaved casually. Rune was hunched over the Sony three-quarter-inch tape player and small color TV that served as a monitor. A tinny voice came out of the small speaker. I told them back then just what I'm telling you now. I didn't do it. The man on the screen was a gaunt thirty-something, with high cheekbones and sideburns. His hair was slicked.